Well, welcome to another edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. It's President's Day. It's Movie Monday. We've got so many things to discuss. We are going to talk about the history of President's Day. And boy, let me tell you, every year we've been doing the Bottom Line Show. I guess this is our 13th annual uh, President's Day edition of the Bottom Line Show. I hear from people who say, thank you for talking about President's Day. It's never been a holiday for me. So, I mean, I, I, you know, and I always just kind of shake my head and say, well, why is that? And then I started thinking, well, what about President's Day? Has it been a holiday? Well, we're all here, right? I mean, <laughs> Crawford Broadcasting, this is not one of those holidays. Some companies it is, some ministries it is, some ministries it isn't. So you might be wondering, well, are they like, I, how should I put this? Are they breaking the law? I mean, isn't this a federal holiday? Well, the answer is no, they're not breaking the law. Um, so if your employer didn't give you the day off, it's, I mean, it is a federal holiday, which means no postal service, no mail delivery, that type of stuff. But it, it is kind of interesting to see how the holiday has evolved from where it began with the recognition of Washington's birthday, George Washington, our first president, and how we got to the point where we are right now that so many states don't honor it, don't celebrate it, don't even recognize it. And yet, what exactly does it mean? We're going to get into that today here on the program. Uh, we're also, I want to let you know that Movie Monday, we don't have an actual movie that we're promoting directly per se, but I want to give you the opportunity for two resources that you can get digital downloads from, from us for free. One is an in-person screening event and one is a digital download. So our Movie Monday giveaways today are as follows. Baby Boomer Dilemma. The Dennis Wilson movie, the movie that Dennis has been promoting for the better part, this is our second year now promoting it. If you have an IRA or 401k, and you've heard Dennis talk about this a lot, he has a program right now. If you have conventional IRA, individual retirement account, what's going to happen is you keep putting money in each and every year, and it's deducted from your paycheck if you're working for an employer. And they might have a match if maybe there's a 401k, something like that. But in the individual retirement account, you get to put money in. And let's say you put $5,000 a year in. It's just easier to do the math that way. You put $5,000 in. And then this year, uh, next year, when you're filing your taxes for 2024, you can deduct $5,000 from your adjusted gross income. Now, the money's in that individual retirement account. It's growing. Isn't that great? But what happens then is once you hit retirement age, once you hit, what's it, 69 and a half or whatever, the federal government now says, okay, you have to start taking money out of that account, whether you need to or not. And oh, by the way, we're going to tax you on the money that you're taking out. Every penny of it is going to be subject to federal tax. And depending on where you live, state income tax as well. Well, let's say you amassed $100,000. It's just easier to, to do. If you had paid tax on that money ahead of time, then you would only have to pay tax on the money that was earned by the account during the course of when you had it. That's what the Roth IRA individual account is all about. You pay the tax up front and then you don't have to pay as much in the back end. If you're in a conventional IRA, then you have to pay tax on everything and they force you to take it out. You might say, but I don't need that money. doesn't matter. My parents have been going through this for years. Bless their hearts, 90 years of age couple of IRAs and every year we find out from the government how much their required minimum distribution RMD is going to be and they say wait we don't need that money it goes in their checking account but not only does it come out it also comes with a tax bill so there's a way that you can beat the individual retirement account issue and it's that's by moving from a traditional to a Roth and Dennis Wilson has a program that he's talking about right now 
um, that will help you with this baby boomer dilemma thing. First and foremost, call the office today here at the Bottom Line Show, 800-227-5278. It's Movie Monday. We have five downloads of the movie, The Baby Boomer Dilemma. Explains this all much better than I do. It's about an hour and a half movie, plus a special Q&A that goes along afterwards. It's a fantastic resource, and it's yours free, courtesy of Dennis Wilson and Wilson Financial. So call us here at 800-227-5278. Not one, not two, not three, not four, but five free downloads up for grabs of The Baby Boomer Dilemma. Then call Dennis and find out how you can convert your traditional IRA into a Roth IRA and get a 19% bonus for doing so. Now, Dennis will explain all the details, but in the first three years, there's a 19% bonus in addition to the guaranteed 2.5% you get on the account. What that does is effectively, it takes out the gamble. If you had that 100000 in an IRA, you withdraw it, close the whole account down, you're going to have to pay income tax, you're going to have to pay a federal you're going to have to pay a penalty for early withdrawal. But the Dennis Wilson alternative gives you a 19% bonus that effectively wipes out the money you'd have to spend out of pocket to get into this new account. And it pays that 19% bonus in year two, and it pays it in year three. So the three-year return on this account is phenomenal. 800-227-5278 gets you a copy of The Baby Boomer Dilemma. We have five of the, those movies to give away today here on Movie Monday. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. Another phone number for you. Call Dennis Wilson's office. I think they're closed today, so call him tomorrow. 800-696-9970 and say, Dennis, I want that 19% account. <laughs> now, if you want to get the ball rolling through us, just go to our website, kbrightradio.com forward slash Wilson Financial, and we'll put you through to Dennis's office that way. So such a deal here on this President's Day, right? The banks are closed, but you're still making money. And I love it. Second thing that we're talking about today here on Movie Monday involves our good friend Caleb Quay, the guy who founded the Elton John Band, who discovered Reg Dwight at the tender age of 15 or 16. They were both working at the Dick James Publishing House uh, as copy boys, running printed music back and forth, sheet music back and forth to different uh, recording studios and things of that nature. When Dick James opened up a recording studio, he put Caleb in charge. Reg had gone off to be a blues hero and all of a sudden said, wow, free studio time, I'll take it. The rest is history. The story of how Caleb discovered Elton John, toured with Hall & Oates, had his own secular success with a group called uh, Hookfoot, and then came to faith in Christ. That's the key payoff. Some people will call and say, why do you talk about Elton John so much? It's not about Elton John. It's about how God used Caleb to establish these well-known, internationally famous rock and roll bands, and then at the height of his success, called him and said, now I want you to go be a worship pastor. And he's been serving here in the Inland Empire for 40 years. Caleb's story is told in a documentary movie called uh, Louder Than Rock. It's based on his uh, autobiography called The Voice Louder Than Rock and Roll. And there's a special screening of that movie this Wednesday night, 7 p.m. at the USC Cinematic Arts School, the SC Film School. Legendary. This is Ron Howard went there. George Lucas went there. All the big, great people who made movies went there. And in, his, in honor of Black History Month, they're showing a special screening of Caleb Quay's movie, Louder Than Rock. Now, if you want, a, a, it's free to go, but if you want tickets, you have to sign up. You can't just show up. You have to sign up and get an RSVP. And we have the link for you here. Unlimited number until they tell us we don't have any more. Call 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. Give us your contact info. We'll send you the link. And then you can go. And by the way, Valerie Tucker, 
Emmy Award-winning television producer, also Caleb's manager, who's the director of this film, will be at the screening. And we encourage... I don't know if she'll have any freebies or like, uh, you know, uh, mints or candies or something like that, but you, you can't miss Valerie. She's got a huge personality. She's a wonderful woman. She will be at the screening. If you go through our website or go give us a call and we get, are able to give you the link and you can go, please go introduce yourself to her and let her know you heard about this movie on the Bottom Line Show. We don't get paid anything for this. Caleb's a friend of the ministry. We love the work that he does in ministry and we're very grateful to be able to support that. So in honor of Black History Month, uh, Caleb Quay's movie, the documentary, faith-based documentary about how he came to Christ after touring with Elton John and Hall and Oates. Uh, the movie's called Louder Than Rock. If you would like a free pass or free passes to go, call us right now, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, Bishop E.W. Jackson has a fascinating testimony to share, and I love sharing this story even today because of the fact that there are so many people who are looking at President's Day and saying, oh my goodness, it's President's Day, and we are looking at a presidential election coming up. And the presidential election could become very, very interesting. <coughs> Here's the reason why. Last uh, weekend, it was Thursday night, I think, um, on the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, we were talking about the special counsel, her report, and what it means for Joe Biden and his election chances in 2024. And sure enough, the minute that report came out, two other stories broke on Thursday night. The first one was that the New York Times broke it and said, hey, remember that uh, FBI informant that said that uh, uh, the Biden family was trying to solicit $5 million in contributions from the Chinese government, Ukraine and everything? Well, that guy now admits he was lying. Oh yeah, I'll bet he did. He's probably missing a finger too. I mean, I don't mean that, I don't mean that to sound sarcastic, but all of a sudden the Robert, special counsel Robert Hur report comes out in implicating the Bidens and all sorts of illegal classification of uh, handling classified documents. And the very next day, remember that guy who was making us look bad? Well, all of a sudden now he changed his tune. Yeah, I believe that. Absolutely believe that. But in a slightly, you know, not big fanfare report, NBC News reported that there may be some more competition for President Biden in 2024, the election here. Of course, Robert Kennedy Jr. is running for president. He wanted to run as a Democrat. He wound up getting 20% of the vote before the end of last year. The Democrat National Committee pulled him aside and said, Bobby, look, you're making us look bad. If you want to run for president, we'll give you some campaign cash, but run as an independent. And so he is now running as an independent. He's going to garner a few votes from the Democrats. Might even get a few Republicans too. Not my cup of tea, but it's nice to see another formidable candidate running. Well, then NBC News reporting something that I surmised might happen. And you heard this last week on the National Crawford Roundtable podcast where I said, I wouldn't be surprised if Joe Manchin of West Virginia tosses his hat in the ring. And guess who's getting his toe wet to put it in the water? That would be Joe Manchin. This could be a very exciting presidential election year. And yet, this is what we love about American politics. This is what we love about our system of government when it's running right. This is what Bishop E.W. Jackson writes about in his book called Sweet Land of Liberty, Reflections of a Patriot Descended from Slaves. 
We've got a link for that book up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we will have a copy of the book to give away at the end of our conversation. First, though, we're going to kick off President's Day in earnest with Bishop E.W. Jackson coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. For more than 50 years, Dennis Wilson has been offering better alternatives to what the market offers when it comes to investments like certificates of deposit and real estate investment trust. Dennis's 3D account pays even better than market interest rate. Here's Dennis to explain. So what is a 3D account and how does it work? A 3D account is a real estate-backed investment without Wall Street risk. It pays an amazing interest of 7% for the next three years. At the end of three years, you can take your money out so you can see it's definitely not a REIT, or you can reinvest it at 7% in a new program. Go ahead and call today and ask about the 7% account. And then while you're on the phone and ask about our accounts that face even higher amounts for funds over 250000 Learn more about Dennis Wilson's 3D Money account, the better alternative to the Real Estate Investment Trust. Call 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. Wilson Financial, simply better alternatives. From the National Religious Broadcasters Convention, Bishop E.W. Jackson is with me today here on The Bottom Line Show. Bishop Jackson, welcome to the program. Roger, it's a pleasure to be with you. We're Thanks in Nashville. Okay, Nashville, We're Nashville, in Nashville, Nashville, Tennessee, Nashville. yes. That's right, and having a great time doing this. Um, you have such a varied background, and I, I know our Bottom Line listeners appreciate the, the example that you set in terms of being a man of God, obviously, a, a man of faith, uh, but someone who also... Uh, dabbles in the pol- in the political world as well, not afraid to take that mantle. I'm talking to a lot more pastors who are thinking, you know, um, maybe I should run for office or whatever. It's kind of a crazy time in the world right now. Do you recommend pastors consider that city council position? Or I mean, c- first of all, give us an overview of what you think the culture looks like right now, and then we can get into whether or not they should dabble in politics because maybe they're better off just in the pulpit. Well, I don't think the process is complete yet, Roger, but there are forces that are trying to take us into a post-Christian, in fact, I dare say even anti-Christian yes, culture. Yes. And we Christians had better be aware of it. We can no longer sit on the sidelines. We can no longer take Judeo-Christian values and principles for granted. Uh, I, I talked uh, to uh, a, a friend of mine who's a farmer, met him a decade or so ago. We were just getting to know each other, and we got to talking about our dads. Now, I grew up in urban Pennsylvania, right near Philadelphia. He grew up in the fields of southwest Virginia, mm. and we started laughing and saying, you know, I guess our dads knew each other. <laughs> you know, that kind yeah. of moral consensus yeah. is, is lacking now, yeah. And, yeah. and there are forces trying to really rip us apart and undermine the Christian culture of yeah. our nation. And so... I think Christians have got to get involved in everything. We've mm-hmm. got to get involved in politics. We've got to get involved in science. We've got to get involved in education. We've got to get involved in journalism. And we've got to bring a Judeo-Christian and biblical worldview into yeah. those areas. Yeah, and I appreciate you saying that. My chuckle was not so much for, you know, the positions, but the fact that there is the recognition and the fact that there was a time, you know, when you knew your neighbors and you knew where people were and what they were doing. And now, even pre-COVID, I know a lot of people have said, well, you know, this is what happens when you spend two years at home and et cetera, et cetera. I don't believe that. I mean, I, I believe that people have been moving in that direction and I'll put myself on the uh, throw myself on the bad heap as well uh, the place before Lisa and I were married I was living I lived there for 10 years and I knew very few of my neighbors and it was by not by design I wasn't isolating I, I'd go out and walk and you know go around and try to meet people but folks just would get out of their house go do whatever they were doing come back in their home and they just stayed there and it's amazing how values change and shift and drift to the point now where all of a sudden the, the culture is a, like the Titanic, isn't it? Like a big old luxury liner. It's not like these changes happen overnight. 
No, and, and it's not that they happened by accident either. Right, you right. Know, the story of the Titanic is a captain who made some very bad decisions, yes. isn't it? Um, and we've had some very bad decisions made about our country, too. But, but we've had help making them uh, because there have been forces, particularly in academia, that just don't believe that the American way of life uh, is the best. Mm-hmm. And they think that some sort of Marxist, socialist, uh, atheist, or secularist approach to life will be better for everyone. Uh, but history gives us a different story. I mean, right now we've got uh, Vladimir Putin attacking Ukraine, and people have forgotten that Khrushchev and uh, and Stalin starved 25 million people in mm-hmm. Ukraine back mm-hmm. in the days of the Soviet Union. So this is not new. These values are not new, and they've never worked. Right. And yet people are, are, are insisted on believing that a collectivist mentality is so much better than the principle of individual liberty, which is what has been America's bellwether. Uh, Bishop E.W. Jackson, my guest today here on The Bottom Line, I'm Roger Marsh. We've got the website, standamerica.us up. It's interesting, and I, I, couldn't, note, I couldn't help but note the irony. Mike, children are all millennials, so I've, my uh, bonus kids are in the same age group. And I remember when my oldest daughter went to college, and she went to community college for a couple of years and then state university, and she wanted to be a teacher, so that was the best school in the area for that. And the first year she was at community college, she had to take an English class and a history class and a political science class. I couldn't tell them apart because the English class, every paper they had to write was on politics, and it was something that was this kind of woke ideology that you were talking about. And I could see that 15, 20 years ago, I could see the writing on the wall. It's so ironic and a bitter irony at that, Bishop Jackson, that the educational system has become corrupted to the point where people think they're getting educated, but they're really being brainwashed instead. Yeah, and, and the sad thing is is it's not as if, there because, you know, all... <laughs> All information and all knowledge can lend itself to a particular polemic or point of view. I mean, we are Christians. We certainly advocate for Jesus Christ and for a Christian worldview. But these are lies. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're lies about America. They're lies about the nature of life. Mm -hmm. Um, The essential lie of Karl Marx is that human beings are perfectible. All you need to do is just put them in the right system. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you just give them the right instructions and give them the right orders, oh, they'll they'll, they'll be perfect. And there'll be no crime. And and there'll be no injustice. We'll appeal to our better nature. Oh, yeah, right. And, (laughs) and, And, of course, we know that in the wake of that is 100 million murdered and starved people uh, in the effort. For example, um, Mao's uh, great leap forward, it turned out to be a great leap into murder, Mm -hmm. where people were just murdered all over China who dared to question this utopia he was building for them. And so the left comes out of this same mindset. Mm -hmm. And we as Christians are frankly, in my view, are really the saving grace for this country because we are truth tellers, we are truth knowers, and right now people are having a hard time finding and figuring out what the truth is because our atmosphere is so charged with lies. It's amazing. Bishop E.W. Jackson, my guest today here on The Bottom Line at the convention in Nashville, the National Religious Broadcasters. Uh, we're going to have a link for Bishop Jackson, standamerica.us, up at thebottomlineshow.com because this is, this is a year that a lot of people are talking about. The tide could turn politically. I see in your eyes, though, and I hear in your voice that this is more than just about winning elections because the hearts and minds of people are at stake. I mean, maybe half of Christians might vote if they're registered to vote. I mean, Christians have a tendency to sit on the sidelines. I know that drives you nuts. It drives me nuts, you know, especially when you have men of faith like you running for office on occasion. And and there's a good candidate to back. And then we'll take a look at uh, the, the, the pastor. And I say in air quotes, uh, in Georgia, taking nothing away from uh, Senator Warnock, but he runs on that 
theme, and yet then supports abortion, supports, I mean, all these leftist ideologies to which I, I'm asking, at what, who's your God? I mean, what Bible are you using? I mean, I just, I don't understand that. Talk talk about how, how dire those consequences are, and we'll talk about Christians kind of wading into the political arena. Well, in a, in a, in a very real sense, although thank God not as dramatically, they accomplish the same ends as socialism and Marxism and communism has always mm. accomplished. They subjugate people mm-hmm. at, at, the, at the price of, of death and destruction. Uh, because if you think about this, that you, you mentioned Raphael Warnock, so I'll just continue on that for a second. Sure. Here, here's a pastor who says proudly, I'm a pro-choice pastor. What he means is I'm a pro-abortion pastor. Mm-hmm. And we know that we've had 60 million babies slaughtered uh, in the last, what, 60 years. And it's just, it is a, it is an utter travesty. It's genocide. Uh, and yet the secularist mindset says that uh, any attempt to restrict abortion is some kind of class warfare attack mm-hmm. on women. And mm-hmm. it's, uh, so it's, but it's the same paradigm, which is we're all divided based upon class or mm-hmm. gender or in, in, in America, America's case, particularly race. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've, we're all competing for these meager resources that the capitalist system doles out to us. And we got to overthrow it so we can really all be free. Well, you know, that's 1984. Right. Slavery <laughs> right, is freedom. Because right, right. so, that's all that this stuff produces. So people like that have got to be countered by pastors who understand that the word of God is true and are willing to unapologetically and uncompromisingly proclaim it. Because frankly, power abhors a volume and a, a, a vacuum. And if you don't, the devil will find somebody to mm-hmm. proclaim lies. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I, the truth versus error, the lie versus, you know, the, the fact that all we have to do is look at the book of Genesis, and we know that the enemy does not come up with a big red arrow that says, okay, here's the right way, here's the wrong way. Take the wrong way, because that'll be more damaging to you. Instead, it's a little bit of yeast. It's, it's just, it's a half-truth. And we see, it, I'll use an example I think we could both resonate with, the so-called voter suppression laws. How many, all you have to do is go on CNN and say, voter suppression laws, we should be afraid, and no one bothers to read the laws. I mean, if there is true voter suppression in these new laws, then by all means, we should be standing up against it because it's completely unrighteous and unbiblical. But if we've gotten to the point where as Christians, all we have to do is look at a meme on Instagram and that forms our theology or our political ideology, it seems like we're doomed. And I I, I know how important it is to you to educate, to, to really, I mean, embrace the good values of the United States and to stand up against the horrible ones that are really starting to creep in and take over. Oh, look, those are the words of demagogues when they start, for example, Stacey Abrams compared uh, the quest for voter uh, uh, freedom and uh, to to the war in Ukraine. Uh, It's just it's just (laughs) absurd. Well, you know, they called uh, these voter integrity laws Mm -hmm. um, Jim Crow 2.0 and. And we know that Jim Crow was a horrible system. And if you compare the two, that those are the words of demagogues. Those are not the words of serious people trying to bring us together, trying to help make America the more perfect union that our founding fathers wanted it to be. And so here again, they've got to be truth tellers. And who better than pastors and Christians mm-hmm. to stand up and Amen. say, Amen. that is a lie. You know, I've said this many times, Roger, I am conservative. I vote a certain way, I look for certain candidates, but at the end of an election, even if my candidate has lost, I want everybody to feel, you know what? It's a legitimate loss. That's the way it went. We live to fight another Mm -hmm. day. 
it, the, the people who d dismiss concerns about voter integrity are people who clearly don't care about the American system mm -hmm. because they want to say to anybody who questions it, and we know there are plenty of reasons to question, oh, you're an idiot, you're a fool, you're a conspiracy theorist, you should be dismissed. Here again, that stuff is extremely unhealthy, extremely divisive. They ought to want us all to look at every election and say, I don't like the outcome, but I'm satisfied that it was arrived at honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, all we want is a fair shake. Uh, Bishop E.W. Jackson, my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. StanAmerica.us is the website, and we're going to get into, on the other side of this break, talk a little bit about his book, Sweet Land of Liberty, and some of the other things that are happening in his life and ministry. More of my conversation with Bishop E.W. Jackson in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Bishop E.W. Jackson is my guest today. We're talking about his fascinating book, and this is spoken as a guy who's actually run for president as well. Not this year. Uh, the book is called Sweet Land of Liberty, Reflections of a Patriot Descended from Slaves. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we do have a copy of the book we're giving away today here on President's Day, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. And remember, in addition to this book, we are also giving away not one, not two, not three, not four, but five free screenings. Uh, you can download the link and watch it on your big theater at home of The Baby Boomer Dilemma, the movie Dennis Wilson recommends uh, that will help you look at your IRA and 401k for what they really are and then ask, get you asking questions like, why do I have my money there? What else can I do? You call Dennis Wilson and he helps you find a better solution to that. 800-227-5278 for a copy of Sweet Land of Liberty, Reflections of a Patriot Descended from Slaves by Bishop E.W. Jackson, and 800-227-5278 for not one, not two, not three, not four, but five copies of the movie The Baby Boomer Dilemma, courtesy of Dennis Wilson and Wilson Financial Services. It's all part of this Movie Monday, President's Day edition of The Bottom Line Show. More in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Bottom line show listeners have been so supportive of Preborn, and I appreciate you, and I know that Preborn does as well. Preborn is the pregnancy resource center that offers women uh, options and offers women the truth when it comes to an unexpected or unplanned pregnancy. Now, if you were expecting pregnancy and you want to get a free ultrasound, you can go to a preborn clinic as well. It's very easy to do. And every time we donate $28 to the cause, that provides one free ultrasound appointment for someone who may or may not have the means to handle this. Now, Terry in Cathedral City recently called in a $1,000 donation. Thank you so much, Terry, for, uh, for giving us that call, especially out of the Coachella Valley. Also, Dennis in Los Angeles called in a $28 donation. Thank you, Dennis, for that $28. And also, I want to say thanks to Diane in San Diego, a $500 donation. Every $28 you provide means one more ultrasound visit for a woman who may be deciding between whether or not to keep the pregnancy or to keep the child. We are pro-child. 85% of the women who go to preborn and see the ultrasound choose life for their preborn child. And you can give a tax-deductible donation online today to support that cause. Go to kbrightradio.com and look for the preborn banner. Click the banner and make your best donation today. From the convention floor here in Nashville at the National Religious Broadcasters uh, gathering here in uh, at Opryland in Nashville, Bishop E.W. Jackson with me today here on The Bottom Line, the president of Stand, Staying True to America's National Destiny. I love that acrostic. Hopefully it's one that just kind of, you know, flowed right onto the napkin when you were at the restaurant saying, I've got this idea, God. T tell me about the foundation of Stand. That's exactly what happened. In fact, 
uh, I was in, in my gym working out uh-huh. and, uh, and the Lord laid this on my heart because we had just gone through a very, very tough election. Mm-hmm. And I just felt that the values of that president, then Barack Obama, were not going to be good for America mm-hmm. and were not going to help bring us together. I mean, there was this hope that, wow, the first black president of the United States, he should bring us together, heal the racial mm-hmm. divide take us into a post-racial society where we're just looking at each other as individuals based on the content of our character and our competence, not the color of our skin, but he made things worse. Mm. I kind of anticipated because I knew he was a child of the left Mm -hmm. um, and that's the way they think. And sure enough, I I proved to be right. I think that some of the problems we're having right now, he kind of sowed the seeds for them by never being willing to transcend race Every criticism of him, oh, yes, because I'm a black president and, and that sort of thing. So Stan really was birthed not only a big to, uh, to be against, I mean, not to be against him, but against the things he represented, but also looking at America and at, at, the, at the racial division, at the racial ideology, I wanted to, to, to do something to counter that. And so the mission of Stan is to bring Americans together across Mm -hmm. racial and cultural lines to uphold our Judeo-Christian values, our principles. And so that's how it was birthed. And um, you mentioned awakening hearts and minds. So one of our missions is to get out there and talk to people, particularly black and other minorities, and explain to them the blessing that they have in being Americans. Mm -hmm. If they just stop and take stock of the world, they'll realize and you are in the catbird seat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you mm-hmm. are an American, you've got privilege that the world envies. That's why we've got people at our border trying to get in here mm-hmm. because they know that if you can get to America, you can you can get into a place where there's opportunity and there's hope for you to fulfill your God-given potential. It's interesting you mention that, Bishop Jackson, because I, I think often about the fact that we do, I mean, ever since, I'll use a, as a benchmark, the, the so-called war on poverty. You know, we'll talk about, you know, the 64, 65, voting rights, great piece of legislation that we've actually been able to discard some of the things that were in there because now we've corrected the problem and people don't understand that. What do you mean you're canceling the Voting Rights Act? It's like, well, no, no, no. See, that was 1965. We're now in 2022. We don't need it. But when it comes to the standard of living that people have, the problem that we've had how many trillions of dollars later is we didn't necessarily eliminate poverty. We just raised the standard of living in poverty. And a lot, how many people are living really good, I mean, lives compared to other parts of the world, compared to where they would have been, you know, a couple of decades ago. But the tribal siloed mentality says, well, I'm here and I have one, you know, mobile phone and they've got three, you know, and I, my, I've got a 60 inch TV and they've got a 70. I mean, and I don't mean to minimize the plight of people who are struggling in, in poverty, but I think our culture is doing that right now. And there, there's a way that we can literally, I love the fact that your acrostic encourages us to get up, <laughs> to, to, to stand Amen. up against what's wrong and to get up and take action. Um, you love America. Stand up, step up, speak up. Ooh, good. Um, Look, I was born in poverty, mm-hmm. into a broken home, raised in foster care. I mm. uh, almost failed the fifth grade because I didn't go that often. I was busy hanging in the streets with friends. Mm-hmm. My father came back into my life and took me out of foster care and took custody of me. It changed the trajectory of my life. And hold that thought for just a moment, ladies and gentlemen. We're having a dad moment. Dad shows up. Dad is an influence, not just a physical presence in the life of Bishop E.W. Jackson. And now we're talking to a man who started a nonprofit organization, who's a minister of the gospel, who's a unifier. All, and I'm not putting this all on your dad, but I oh. think you would agree the pivotal point for you, the turning point was your father showed up. Oh, there is no question. Uh, and by the way, my father was the most instrumental person God used to get me saved because my father got saved first. 
and told me he was reading the Bible from cover to cover. And that somehow took root in my heart. And I thought, well, you know, I should do that. And in the process of doing that, ended up getting saved. Mm. So, so my dad was critical in my life. But the point I make is I went from a kid who almost failed out of fifth grade somebody who would have been classified as dumb mm-hmm. to graduated from Harvard Law School, mm, practicing law for many years. Because that's what, and, and by the way, in an era that people would have just coming out of the, the halcyon days of the 60s, mm-hmm. when people would say there weren't that many opportunities and, and black people were being discriminated against. But I got into Harvard Law School, graduated from Harvard Law School, and I wasn't an affirmative action baby. Mm-hmm. I wasn't looking for some kind of special treatment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I was told by some professors that black people don't do well on the LSAT test. And I thought to myself, well, what's that got to do with me? Right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they haven't met I, me yet. <laughs> because I'm going to do whatever I need need to do to do well. Right. So my, my point is a message of the Great Society program and all that was not intended to bring people out of poverty. It was intended to entrench them in poverty yes. and make them yes. dependent upon the government. Yes. And in the process, Roger, getting back to my dad, it destroyed families. Mm. Over the We went from, from 85% of black children being born in wedlock to two-parent monogamous families in 1960 to now 80% being born out of wedlock Mm. and most black children being raised in single-parent female-headed households. And that's what's devastated these communities. It truly has. Bishop E.W. Jackson, my guest today here on The Bottom Line, and I would love to give your dad a hug. I mean, he's my hero. What a a great man and what a perfect picture of God and the way he rescues us. I mean, obviously the difference being, uh, you know, God doesn't give us up to sin and then, you know, come and get us. But in that moment, just, just, I, I just I love the image of your father looking for you. You know, once once he came to his senses, if you will, um, looking for you and pulling you up out of that. And the fact that you, I'm, I'm so grateful that he instilled values in you, like, don't tell me how I'm going to act. <laughs> you know, in terms of that, you know, Amen. if God gives you a vision for Harvard Law School and your dad's beside it. Who cares what the other people say? And and it's amazing how many people will let that hold them back, even people of faith. Well, we can't do this because the culture says that, or we can't do this because the politicians say that or whatever. And you, you your book called Sweet Land of Liberty, talk a little bit about that. Sure. The, the name of the book is Sweet Land of Liberty, subtitled Reflections of a Patriot Descended from Slaves. Oh, I love it. And I use the book, and in, in, I didn't start writing it for this reason, but it, I think it is an answer to the critical race theory mm-hmm. ideas in the 1619 Project and this notion that America is somehow systemically racist, white supremacist. I've told people, America doesn't have a racial problem. America has a sin problem like every other nation on the face of the earth. Mm -hmm. The difference is we rooted and grounded the establishment of our nation on the principle that rights and liberties come from Almighty God. And no matter what the history is, a history, by the way, which is common to all the earth, with slavery and subjugation, common to the entire earth, but no other nation founded itself on a principle that made sure that the great-grandson of my great-grandparents would live free Mm. because you couldn't maintain a system of subjugation in the face of principles that say your rights, your liberty, Mm -hmm. don't come from human beings. They come from Almighty God. That's the country I love. In fact, I tell people when Dr. King went to the 
the um, the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, he didn't call for the overthrow of America. He called for America to live up to the principles upon which we were founded mm-hmm. and quoted those words. Mm. Those are my words and your words and every American's words. And every American ought to be grateful to God and to our founding fathers, frankly, for having the prescience to see that yes. that's the basis upon which you found a nation because no other nation like that has ever existed. Encouraging conversation, inspiring, dare I say, from uh, with Bishop E.W. Jackson today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. There are so many examples, and my profession, the media, spends so much time trying to find the examples of what went wrong instead of what went right. Oh. You know, the before model instead of the after model. And it's, 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 I'm embarrassed sometimes for how far the media has to go to try to paint everything you're talking about in such a negative, dismal light. Because it's, oh, sure. it's only positive and the rising tide. It really does raise everybody up. And none of it is intended to bring us together. Jesus right. said, a house divided against itself cannot stand. You mean all the rallies and all the armbands and all the locking of arms and singing the leftist types of songs really aren't designed to bring us together, Bishop Jackson? I say that somewhat tongue-in-cheek. Right, exactly. <laughs> because what they do is is tell the average American who's working hard, trying to raise your family, trying to build a business, trying to do those things that you know you're responsible for as a human being, that somehow the fact that you love your country is racist. Mm. <laughs> the fact that you you think well of, of, of our, our system is somehow, uh, it, like for example, the fact that you put America first. I tell people, put, putting America first is not a Trump principle, it's a common sense principle. Right, right. I mean, <laughs> But somehow that's xenophobic. Mm. So at every turn, they try to condemn the very best in our country, which has produced untold numbers of heroes, some of whom you and I will never know. Mm. But the people like my dad, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. who just stepped in because he saw the direction I was going in. He felt like he couldn't raise me as a single dad. But then he saw the direction I was going in and said, but if I don't do something, I'm going to lose him. And he stepped in and did it. He will always be my hero. And there are heroes like him all over this and and men and women all over this nation. So we've got so much to celebrate and so much to be thankful for and proud of. Yeah, I love that. And keeping our eyes on the Lord, we can walk on water. (laughs) That's the whole name of the game right there. Bishop E.W. Jackson, I'm Bitterly disappointed our time has come to an end because wow. I hope we can have another conversation like this again I've enjoyed soon. it. StandAmerica.us is the website and Sweet Land of Liberty. Be looking for it by Bishop E.W. Jackson. Bishop it's Jackson, coming. an honor to be with you today here on The Bottom Thank Line. Thank you for having me. Great to revisit that conversation with our dear friend Bishop E.W. Jackson today here on The Bottom Line. The book is called Sweet Land of Liberty, Reflections of a Patriot Descended from Slaves. One copy of the book up for grabs here on this President's Day, 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. When you call that number, you'll be placed in the drawing for the book. But also, we have some other goodies to give away. We have not one, not two, not three, not four, but five copies of the movie, The Baby Boomer Dilemma. Now, this isn't a DVD. It's actually a a video link. And the great thing about this is there are DVDs available, but the link that we're giving you the opportunity to win, courtesy of Wilson Financial Services, comes with a special bonus package of material that airs after the movie's done. So if you want to understand your 401k, why you should convert it to a Roth IRA, and then how Dennis Wilson can help you get a 19% return, a bonus, on that IRA for the first three years. Well, you'll want to call less to get the movie, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 
800-227-5278. And then make sure you have Dennis's number handy. Actually, just go to caperightradio.com forward slash Wilson Financial, and you can request a, a, a no-cost, a complimentary uh, analysis of where you are with your, uh, with your investments. And that's courtesy of our friends at Wilson Financial. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. As we continue, we're going to get into a little analysis, balance, and clarity with regard to President's Day. Why is it a federal holiday and yet so many businesses stay open? You would be surprised. How many states do you think actually celebrate President's Day? It's not as many as you might think. And then, which presidents are we celebrating on President's Day? Is it George Washington? Is it everyone who's ever served in office? And speaking of everyone who ever served in office, is it possible that we have the wrong man in the White House right now? Is it possible that the election results actually got messed up and maybe Donald J. Trump was right about the election being stolen from him? I won't go so far to say it was stolen. I'm sure it was rigged. There were well over 300 different cases of... Uh, tampering from state legislatures to state Supreme Courts to uh, registrar of voters, the secretaries of state who got in and tampered with some things that have all, many of these, uh, these legalities or irregularities have been corrected. But it, the, the recurring theme that we hear over and over again is, well, it didn't really have an impact on the overall outcome of the election. So therefore, I don't know why anyone's worried. Well, on the other side of this break, a new report from the Epic Times seems to indicate that maybe just maybe that mail-in voter fraud thing is real. And maybe, just maybe, that trail of tears from Republican voters who wanted Donald Trump to be president will be rewarded with an investigation that says, you know what, you were right. We're going to look into this on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. My thanks again to Bishop E.W. Jackson, the author of Sweet Land of Liberty, Reflections of a Patriot Descended from Slaves, uh, for joining me today here on The Bottom Line. His book is up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we do have a copy of the book we're giving away, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to The Bottom Line. Also, because it's Movie Monday, we have a link up. Well, actually, we'll give you the link. That's what I meant to say. Uh, for Caleb Quay's outstanding documentary, A Voice Louder Than Rock and Roll, tells his story, uh, meteor ri- meteoric rise to the top uh, after discovering Elton John. That's kind of weird. It's kind of like discovering Bill Gaither, you know, or something. <laughs> it's someone who's so iconic um, and has had such a huge impact on the world of music. Uh, but now Caleb is a Christian, leads worship in a church in, here in Fontana, I believe, or uh, maybe it's Pomona. And um, it, it's a it's a great uh, testimony that he has to share. His movie, A Voice Louder Than Rock and Roll, is playing at the USC Film School, the U- U- University of Southern California School for the Cinematic Arts. Uh, they're having a special screening this Wednesday. It's a free screening, but you need an R- you need to RSVP and let them know you're coming, and we have the link for that. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. And then, of course, we're also giving away five copies of the Baby Boomer Dilemma. See, all this good stuff to give away. It's been half the show just telling you about the giveaways. It's like that old uh, line from that one comedian who said, you know, they have the announcer doing so many rules on the game show. By the time they get to the first question, the first question is, can you come back tomorrow? Because we're out of time. Uh, Baby Boomer Dilemma, five copies of that movie we're giving away. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 
800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Okay, simple poll conducted by Rasmussen along with the Heartland Institute is giving new oxygen, if you will, to the threat that perhaps, maybe just maybe, the election was in fact not stolen from Donald Trump, but it was somehow rigged. Remember one of the biggest problems people had. Democrats have been pushing for mail-in voting to be the federal law for voting in elections. And the problem they keep running into is the states control how they handle their elections. Do you do a primary? Do you do a caucus? Do you do early voting? Do you only do same-day voting? Do you allow for mail-in voting? Do you allow for uh, how long do the ballots have to come in? Do they have to be postmarked on the day? How do you do it? Now, here in the People's Republic of California, I've been voting absentee ever since I was just out of college. And I did so, I told the story before, I got my first radio job in San Luis Obispo, California, and I was working at KIQO at Atascadero, the overnight guy. Got promoted to afternoons, and then they automated the whole station, and, well, that's radio. But I wanted, I was registered to vote in Orange County. I wanted to vote in the primary, and so I registered to vote absentee for the 1984 presidential election. And I liked it. And then by 1988, I was a young dad and working a lot. By 1992, we had two kids, and I was really busy. And I just kept voting absentee because then I never had to worry about where I was going to be on that first Tuesday in November. A lot of people in California vote absentee and did so even before the pandemic. But part of the pandemic, uh, the issue of you know the health and safety of people and we don't want them touching ballots, which between us was really kind of silly. I mean, it was like going to the supermarket where the checker might have been wearing a mask and might have been wearing gloves, but they were handling all your stuff. But then you had to stand behind that plexiglass thing and make sure that your breath didn't get out of the mask and hit them with it because somehow it wouldn't know to go around the pl- You get the idea. But America was sold a bill of goods. Well, if we do it by the mail, it'd be a lot safer. Okay, sure. Did you wear gloves when you filled yours out? Did you disinfect it before you put it in the mailbox where everybody else's germs were in there? I mean, you get the idea. But Democrats have made it job one to say we want mail-in voting. There are two reasons. Number one, with mail-in voting, Democrats are more likely than Republicans to register to vote by mail. I mean, that's just a simple reality. But number two, when people vote by mail, since Democrats were taking advantage of the fact that now live ballots would be going to every household, well, let's just say that there were lots of incentives from the Democrat National Committee. If you watch the, was it 2,000 Mules, that uh, uh, Dinesh D'Souza movie, there's a lot of that that's really real. (laughs) It's really heartbreaking to think that people would in fact engage in that kind of behavior. But in other words, it's easier to cheat if you do voting by mail. Doesn't mean that everybody is going to, uh, you know, be pure as the driven snow with that, but there's much greater uh, tendency to cheat. You could pay somebody and say, look, we need 100 ballots from you, and they all need to be for Joe Biden. They all need to be marked a certain way. So when you're doing the ballot harvesting, here's what you do. You either get the mail, somehow it just falls into your truck, That's a clever way of saying it's stolen. And then you fill it out the way we want you to fill it out, turn it in. You turn in 100, 250, whatever it is, we'll give you, you know, money based on that. That, And and trust me, that's been happening for for decades. 
from Richard Daly in Chicago with his vote early and vote often. You heard the scandals about people going like in Skid Row in Los Angeles and downtown New York and whatever, and finding people who are homeless, who did have an address somewhere. They would register them to vote, buy them a carton of cigarettes and say, hey, just give us your ballot. We'll, we'll fill it out. I mean, it's, it, it sounds insidious, but that's the way it was working. But when the pandemic hit in 2020, that was the federal government's chance to say, everyone's going to get a live ballot. So instead of that sample mail-in that said sample, sample all over it that you couldn't use, now there were ballots that anybody could get their hands on and turn in. And there were people who, once they were voting absentee, there were things that they did that weren't necessarily right. Like if some states have clear requirements that you have to have what they call a wet signature, it can't be a stamp. It can't be a copy of one. You got to take the pen and the pen has a little wetness to it. And you, you sign your name. The name signature then has to be verified by a database where you've got a signature in the database. Kind of like when you go to the bank, they've got your signature on file. If you endorse a check, if people still do that, then <laughs> I do that. Uh, then they check one signature against the other. They're looking for thumbprints, fingerprints, whatever they can to prove that somebody is not, in fact, trying to fraudulently vote. Well, once it became mail-in all over the place, it was, you knew there was going to be a problem. You knew there was this massive expansion of mail-in ballots and there was going to be fraud. Now, Victor Davis Hanson has called this out perfectly. He said, basically, under the old rules, when you had absentee, strict accountability, the margin of error, fraud with mail-in ballots was around 4.1%, which is remarkable. Good for us for having that system. In 2020, when the number of people voting by mail jumped exponentially, the margin of error, the, the number of fraudulent ballots that came in and t- tampered and tormented was 0.4%. That's statistically impossible. And yet the media was fine with it. No one did the investigation on that. Until now, we're going to take a quick break and when we come back, we're going to get into President's Day by wondering if maybe President 45 should have had another four more years and President 46 needed to wait his turn. We'll talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. Personal injury attorney Stephanie Cover of Cover Law will fight for justice on your behalf. She has to fight because no insurance company will willingly pay what you've lost after an accident. When you're in an accident, you take legal action simply to be restored to where you were prior to your injuries. Money may be needed for medical treatment, financial restitution for lost time at work, or any other thing that you've lost as a direct result of the injury. Stephanie's desire is for justice, to find what was taken from you due to your injury and have it restored for you. Stephanie will become your advocate, passionately helping you make sure that your doctor's appointments are productive, the insurance companies are being honest, and she'll make those calls that you don't have time for. Go with Kbright's trusted personal injury attorney who will help make you whole again. Stephanie Cover at kbrightradio.com slash C-O-V-E-R and get back to your life. Welcome back to this Movie Monday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marshall. We're taking your calls for a few moments more. We have two movie opportunities for you today that we're giving away. The first is not one, not two, not three, not four, but five different de- digital downloads of the movie The Baby Boomer Dilemma by, uh, that's courtesy of our friends at Wilson Financial Services, um, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. And uh, if you know what I'm talking about here, uh, if you've got an IRA or 401k and it's a conventional type, 
and you're wondering why you're getting hammered in retirement, this movie will help you. And Dennis will help you get out of that and get into something that will lower your taxes in retirement and also help your heirs when you try to leave that 401k or IRA to them. The second movie we're talking about is Caleb Quay's outstanding documentary, Louder Than Rock. It's based on his autobiography, of Voice Louder Than Rock and Roll, about how God spoke to him at the height of his secular music career and led him to faith in Christ. And for the past 40 years, he's been serving in pastoral ministry. There's a screening this Wednesday night, 7 p.m. at the USC School of Cinematic Arts, the SC Film School. You, it's a free event, but you have to get an RSVP in, and we've got the link for that at 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. For our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your day. And Rabbi Schneider, Discovering the Jewish Jesus is up next. For those who remain on the network, why do so many states not celebrate President's Day? We'll get into the history of the holiday coming up next as the bottom line continues. Welcome back. Welcome to uh, the Bottom Line Show today. I'm Roger Marsh. Good to have you along for the ride. Uh, we've been talking about uh, presidents. It's today's President's Day. And people are saying, well, gosh, isn't this the day we honor all the presidents? And then other people are saying, well, I, we'll put this study up at the uh, bottomlineshow.com. Uh, this year, as we realize that we have our 46th president of the United States, Joe Biden, is in office, um, there's a new survey from the Heartland Institute and Rasmussen that reveals that roughly one out of five mail-in voters admitted that they committed uh, uh, potentially fraudulent actions. Now, in most cases, what they were talking about is the fact that they didn't really fully understand how to vote by mail. And so if there was a voter ID issue, if they needed to have a signature, they needed to register, uh, they realized that they, you know, could have potentially done it. But 43% of the ballots in the 2020 election were mailed in. And the fact that the federal election committees and everything uh, looked at the fact that the majority of uh, voters who were casting their ballots, I mean, if 43% of the electorate cast their ballots by mail and 20% of the mail-in voters engaged in at least one potentially fraudulent action, I mean, and, and this is cases, like I said, the signature doesn't match. They might have voted in a state where they are no longer a permanent resident. I mean, 28.2% who voted by mail committed at least one type of behavior that under most circumstances would be illegal. It amounts to voter fraud. Now, when you take the number of, let's see, there were 150 million votes cast, 43 million were cast by mail, or 43% were cast by mail, so that's just under half, we'll say it's 70 million. 20% of the 17 of the 70 million are fraudulent. Well, now that knocks 14 million out. Now, the question is, did all 14 million of them vote for Joe Biden? If they did, then it's easy. Did half of the 14 million vote for Joe Biden? Well, that's 7 million less for him, but it's also 7 million less for Donald Trump. You know, that's the question. But statistically, Democrats are more likely to vote by mail than Republicans. So there you go. There you absolutely go. So we'll put that article up at thebottomlineshow.com. Rasmussen has a pretty good reputation for being fairly accurate and pretty fair. So, I mean, they're conservative, but I, I think that... Uh, <laughs> I don't say that as a, they're conservative, but they're still pretty fair. 
Um, this is not to say this is, you know, like I saw a Christian podcast the other day. We're saying Donald Trump is a, a, a malicious liar. The reason we know is because PolitiFact said so. And I'm like, oh, guys, come on. I mean, that's of course, PolitiFact said so. They're paid to say so. All right. Let's take a look at President's Day. First and foremost, are we celebrating all presidents? The answer is no. Uh, secondly, I mean, officially, the 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 the, um, the the day is still Washington's birthday. Now, what, what's interesting is there are four presidents who have had birthdays in the month of February over the course of our American history. Washington, of course, his birthday's on. Uh, February 22nd, Abraham Lincoln on February 12th, William Henry Harrison on Feb 9, and Ronald Reagan on Feb 6. But in all honesty, let's get right down to it. If you grew up in a state like California or a state that was not a slave state, chances are February 22nd was Washington's birthday. And that's what you celebrated. Now, in a state like the People's Republic of California, we also had a state holiday commemorating the birth of Abraham Lincoln on February 12th, because in non-slaveholding states, he was hailed as a hero for being the guy who, you know, Emancipation Proclamation, 13th and 14th Amendment, end of the Civil War, that type of thing. But as you can imagine, in the South, there were people who were not terribly fond of Abraham Lincoln. So that date necessarily did not actually, you know, it basically didn't do that. Now, here's what's interesting. People say, well, it's President's Day and we should get President's Day off. But in all honesty, the holiday itself is still officially Washington's birthday. And the reason it's Washington's birthday, I mean, he died in 1799. Um, The George Washington holiday, uh, Day of Remembrance, was uh, actually started in 1800. In 1832, there was a celebration of the centennial of his birth. Um, By 1862, it was a busy year for Abraham Lincoln. He issued the Emancipation Proclamation. That was actually written in September of 1862. It was given on January 1st of 1863. And it finally made its way to Texas by June 19th, 1865. But in 1862, Abraham Lincoln issued a proclamation declaring that February 22nd would be, quote, a day of celebration honoring George Washington. A federal holiday was officially passed into law in 1879. And the law was extended to cover all federal employees by the time we got to 1885. Uh, We'll put an article up here at thebottomlineshow.com. It's from Georgia Southern uh, LibraryGuides.com that has the information about the day. But today we are actually celebrating Washington's birthday. Now, why are we doing it on the third Monday in February, you ask? In the late 1960s, Congress proposed a measure called the Uniform Monday Holiday Act. Perhaps you've heard of it. The Uniform uh, Monday Holiday Act said, here's the deal. We want to shift the celebration of several federal holidays from specific dates to a predetermined Monday. So that's why Memorial Day went from being May 30th or 31st, I always forget, to to the fourth, the final Monday of the month of uh, May. And then the Labor Day, first Monday, that was always kind of a standard thing. But there are, you know, when you think about the Monday holiday bill, there really only are a couple that got shifted to Monday, and one of them was Washington's birthday. 
Section 6103A of Title V of the United States Code specifies holidays for federal employees and talks about the Uniform Monday Holiday Act. The Uniform Monday Holiday Act basically moved the celebration of Washington's birthday to the third Monday in February. Now, the whole idea, again, lest we think that there's some deep spiritual connection or this, that, and the other thing, reason for why this is all happening or why it was happening in the first place. It happened, quite frankly, Illinois Senator Robert McClory was the big champion of this. And basically, he was looking for three-day weekends for federal employees, right? So basically, Washington's birthday somehow eventually became renamed or known as President's Day. Now, here's the reason why. Uh, By the way, the main piece of the Uniform Monday Holiday Act passed in 1968. It officially took effect in 1971. President Richard Nixon issued an executive order because that's what executive orders are for. They're not like the People's Republic of California where the governor says, I want to change laws when Congress is in session. And so he goes ahead and does it. But the Basically, the the executive order here was uh, Congress did not vote to officially execute the Monday holiday, Uniform Monday Holiday Act. So Richard Nixon issued an executive order and says, "Okay, we're going to start doing this. But basically what happened was Washington's birthday shifted from February 22nd to the third Monday of February. That's all that really happened. And it was Abraham Lincoln who got the ball rolling. Now, interestingly enough, there is a provision in the Uniform Monday Holiday Act that includes the celebration, uh, that combines the celebration of, Abra- of George Washington's birthday with, with that of Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln's birthday had been a state holiday in places like Illinois. It didn't go this, that, the other thing. So technically what happened here is the Uniform Monday Holiday Act took Washington's birthday, federal holiday, Lincoln's birthday, state holiday, and said, let's combine the two, therefore, President's Day. So if you hear someone saying, boy, I'm sure glad it's President's Day, my favorite president was uh, Teddy Roosevelt. Well, you're, you're missing the point. If you say, well, it's a day to honor presidents and we really need to honor Donald Trump because the election was stolen from him. Well, okay, that go back to the report that I read about Uh, whether or not the Rasmussen poll very simply states if 43% of the electorate, which we calculated is around 70 million people voted by mail and 20% of those people uh, arguably voted illegally. And the biggest culprit, either it's a voter ID issue or the main culprit was somebody who uh, was living in California And during the pandemic, they moved to Florida. They hadn't registered to vote in Florida yet. And so when the ballot came to their home, they just filled it out and sent it in. There was no voter registration. Somebody got their name and address from some database and sent it to them, and they mailed it in. Innocently enough, not being registered to vote. That would not happen in the People's Republic of California, where we have motor voter laws, as you know, which means every time you go to the Department of Motor Vehicles website and try to do anything, the first question they ask you is, are you registered to vote? Would you like to? Because if you want to do anything on this site, you can't do it until you register to vote. Can we pick a party for you? Oh, you want to pick one? Okay. The one you want's way down at the bottom. But Democrat starts with a D and we'll put you in that category. You think I'm kidding? 
So the Uniform Monday Holiday Act combined Washington's birthday with Lincoln's birthday and renamed it basically President's Day. But technically, Washington's birthday is still the name of the holiday. So don't be too concerned if you don't get Washington's birthday off as a holiday uh, or, or get all <laughs> twisted in knots if, you, if it doesn't work that way for you. Now, why do different states celebrate it different ways, though? On the other side of this break, we're going to get into it. Why different states call it? Um, <laughs> some of the names, you're not going to believe these. They're so much fun. Uh, if you're ready for an explanation as how we got George Washington and Daisy Gatson Bates Day, I kid you not. Stay with us. There's more on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. For more than 50 years, Dennis Wilson has been offering better alternatives to what the market offers when it comes to investments like certificates of deposit and real estate investment trust. Dennis's 3D account pays even better than market interest rate. Here's Dennis to explain. So what is a 3D account and how does it work? A 3D account is a real estate-backed investment without Wall Street risk. It pays an amazing interest of 7% for the next three years. At the end of three years, you can take your money out. So you can see it's definitely not a REIT. Or you can reinvest it at 7% in a new program. Go ahead and call today and ask about the 7% account. And then while you're on the phone and ask about our accounts that are pays even higher amounts for funds over 250000 Learn more about Dennis Wilson's 3D Money account, the better alternative to the Real Estate Investment Trust. Call 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. Wilson Financial, simply better alternatives. Welcome back to this President's Day edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, though I should say it's Washington's birthday. And we've never changed that. In the federal law, the only federal law calls this Washington's birthday, but the Uniform Monday Holiday Act refers to this as a celebration of George Washington and Abraham Lincoln's birthday. So technically, uh, that's what we are celebrating today. By the way, still time for you to get in. There's still a few a few spaces left to uh, reserve your spot to see Caleb Quay's outstanding documentary the Voice Louder Than Rock and Roll documentary about his incredible life, how he spent 35 years just tearing it up in secular music, discovered Elton John, toured the world with Hall & Oates, had his own band called Hookfoot for a number of years, and by his 30th birthday, God spoke to him in a vision. And he wanted to find out what that voice was because that voice was so much louder than the rock and roll music he was listening to, and eventually he gave his life to the Lord four years later on Easter Sunday. That movie, Louder Than Rock, is going to be screening this Wednesday night, 7 p.m., absolutely free, at the University of Southern California uh, School of the Cinematic Arts, the SC Film School, legendary. Um, if they get enough people piling in to you know, be there, they'll move it to a bigger venue. But we have to RSVP. So call 800-227-5278. This is our Movie Monday giveaway. 800-227-5278. We'll give you the link give you the information for the link that you could just RSVP. And then when you go there, please check out, see if Valerie Tucker, the director's there. I know she's planning on being there and she should be there. And then go up, give her a hug and say, thank you for making this movie. And I listened to the bottom line show and she'll give you a bigger hug for doing that. Okay. Here on president's day, AKA Washington's birthday. Um, if you live in certain States, you won't be celebrating it at all. 
at least not in February. You won't be doing it until December. Sometimes you'll do it at Thanksgiving. It's crazy. Okay, first of all, is it President's Day, with P-R-E-S-I-D-E-N-T-S Day? Or, um, well, it's up for grabs because officially the federal government still calls it Washington's birthday. Associated Press style book calls it President's Day as in two presidents. There's no possessive there. The two presidents are still George Washington and Abraham Lincoln. It was Abe Lincoln's idea. Now, the George and Barbara Bush Foundation posted a video honoring the late George H.W. Bush for President's Day. Uh, There's articles talking about the Obamas. I mean, I'm sure there are lots of things about Donald Trump and everything. None of those people get celebrated today. It's just George Washington and Abe Lincoln. I mentioned before the break, in Alabama, where we are now heard on WYDE, it is George Washington and Thomas Jefferson's birthday. In Arkansas, this is where I teased this before the break. In Arkansas today, you're celebrating George Washington and Daisy Gatson Bates Day. If you live in Georgia or Indiana, President's Day doesn't happen for you till December. In New Mexico, it's right after Thanksgiving. Why is there such confusion? Well, it's a federal holiday honoring George Washington. Abe Lincoln was rolled in under the Uniform Monday Holiday Act, but that's it. In each state, this is what the different names are, in case you're wondering, by the way. Okay. For those who are listening to the Bottom Line Show in California on K-Bright AM 740 and AM 1240, you are joined by Alaskans, Hawaiians, Illinoisans, Marylandians, Nevadans, New Yorkers, Oklahomans, Tennesseans, Texans, Vermontians, and Washingtonians who list the holiday as President's Day on their state government calendar. And that's with an apostrophe after the S. Now for our KLDC and KLTT listeners, Colorado, joined by Idaho, Michigan, Nebraska, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New Mexico, North Dakota, Ohio, Oregon, West Virginia, and Wyoming have it written as President's Day and it's President's with an apostrophe S. Now, Minnesota, Pennsylvania, South Dakota, it's President's Day with no apostrophe. And that's actually the proper way to do it. Five states use a combination, as we mentioned before. Um, In Arizona, it's Lincoln-Washington President's Day. In Montana, Maine, South Carolina, and Utah, it's Lincoln's and Washington's birthday. In Connecticut, Georgia, Indiana, Massachusetts, Mississippi, Missouri, uh, or Missouri, Virginia, and the District of Columbia, it's called Washington's birthday. And they get it right. But now you may be wondering, I mean, I've wondered about this because I've worked in Christian broadcasting for 38 years of my 41 and I have never worked for a Christian company that gave us President's Day off ever I remember uh well as a matter of fact I mean I'm uh heading out to Nashville later this week for the National Religious Broadcasters Convention which doesn't start on President's Day it starts the day after I remember that used to be the bellwether President's Day was when the National Religious Broadcasters Convention started. And I think part of the reason why was because it was a regular working day. Uh, By the way, if you are planning on moving to or living in at any point, Delaware, Florida, Iowa, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, North Carolina, Rhode Island, or Wisconsin, you don't get President's Day. They don't even celebrate it. But think about that. 20% of the nation does not celebrate President's Day. Isn't that incredible? 
I mean, you would think a day this patriotic, this day, uh, you know, commemorating the uh, anniversary of the birth of George Washington, the father of our nation, would be a big deal. But guess how many people want to see President's Day go all the way away? Well, I, I, well I'll put this up here. I'm sorry to bring this up sooner. Go into the chat and uh, leave your comments there for Crystal and Tamara and Teresa. Uh, go to the Kbright app and uh, find the chat room and go ahead and post. Do you think we should still keep President's Day? We'll take a quick break. And when we come back, there was a poll conducted by 60 Minutes about a decade ago. And they asked whether or not uh, there are certain holidays that we celebrate here in the United States. They really don't have any place anymore. They looked at Martin Luther King Day, Memorial Day, Labor Day. Now, you know, to be fair, Martin Luther King Day just got here 40 years ago. But Memorial Day, yeah, I could make a case for Labor Day not being a holiday anymore. Memorial Day or Decoration Day, uh, that's, that's pretty sentimental and part of our American history. Uh, I don't think that one should go. But what about President's Day? There's so much confusion over it. 20% of the states don't even celebrate it. Do we need to have that as a holiday anymore? Go ahead and put your comments in our chat room at the Kbright Radio app and then find the chat room for uh, TBL and you'll, we'll go ahead and put it down there for you. On the other side of this break, though, I want to take a look at the poll numbers and find out if, just do your own little poll, yay or nay, should we still have President's Day? I will tell you how I'm voting in that and also give you the opportunity to uh, you know weigh in on this as well. It's coming up next as the bottom line continues. I can't say enough about preborn, and I'm going to keep talking about them because I love what this organization stands for. Basically, what they stand for is the truth, the truth and the science, the truth and the science and being honest about the situation that a woman is facing when she is facing an unplanned pregnancy. Did you know this is a problem within the church? 60% of the women who have abortions in the United States do so after already having given birth at least once. 54% of the women who have abortions in the United States are church-going women if not Bible-believing, born-again Christians. So what does that say? It tells me that we in the church need to do a better job of educating people as to what's really going on when a woman tests positive for pregnancy, as they say. Go to a pre-born clinic, they'll do the pregnancy test, then they will do an ultrasound. And the ultrasound technology will show you the pictures of the child in the womb, and then they'll tell you the three options, not the two that the abortion clinics. Abortion clinics say either you're gonna be a parent that's gonna be expensive and ruin your life, just have an abortion, the third option is adoption, and Preborn recommends adoption every single time a woman comes in with an unplanned pregnancy. 85% of the women who go to a preborn clinic and have the ultrasound choose life for their baby. You can help in this effort. Make your one time donation to Preborn today. Go to kbrightradio.com and click on the Preborn banner. Welcome back to this Movie Monday, President's Day edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, or I guess I should say Washington's birthday. Uh, day edition of the program. It's your last chance to call in for any of the five downloads of Dennis Wilson's movie, The Baby Boomer Dilemma. If you are getting ready to do your taxes and you're looking at how much you paid on required minimum distributions in a 401k or an IRA that you don't want to have to pay, you want to get into a Roth IRA so you can just leave your money alone, let it grow. Basically, you're, you pay the tax on the money that's in there and then you, you're good. I mean, the, the money is going to grow. Um, it's tax-free until you take it out. But once you do take it out of that Roth IRA, you only have to pay tax on what you earned, what, 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 how the money grew. And to sweeten the deal, Dennis has a special 19% account going on right now. If you, tr you com consolidate, get out of that IRA traditional 
and go into an IRA Roth with Dennis. He's got this one program that'll give you a 19% bonus and a 2.5% guaranteed return for the next three years. 800-696-9970. Call and set up that appointment right now. If you want to screen the baby boomer dilemma, we've got five copies of that that we're giving away today. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. The number to get you through to the bottom line. 41 states, along with the District of Columbia, celebrate Washington's birthday. Uh, they call it either Washington's birthday, President's Day, and that's either presidents as in plural, presidents as in plural possessive, or presidents as in singular possessive. But there are still nine states that don't even bother to celebrate uh, this federal holiday at all. And that includes Delaware, which is ironic because the president of the United States right now is from Delaware, Florida, Iowa, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, North Carolina, Rhode Island, and Wisconsin. But are they kind of standing out in their field, lone wolves? Uh, hey, you know, we're, we're not going to do it. We're trying to be different. Back in 2012, 60 Minutes conducted a poll with Vanity Fair because, you know, Vanity Fair is known for their political poll taking. And they asked the question of the holidays that we celebrate in the Uniform Monday Holiday Bill Act, uh, which include Martin Luther King Day, Memorial Day, Labor Day, and President's Day, which one would you want to get rid of? 35% of Americans felt that they would want to get rid of President's Day, that we don't really need it. They would rather keep Martin Luther King Day, Memorial Day, Labor Day. Now, I can make a case for President's Day or Labor Day. I think Martin Luther King Day is valuable. I think Memorial Day is very valuable. 35%, and I would flush President's Day too. And here's the reason why. It was a nice thing that Abraham Lincoln did to say, I'm issuing this executive order in 1862. We've been celebrating the birth of George Washington for years, and <coughs> we've been celebrating for years, and we should commemorate his day every year. That was in 1862. We are now in 2024. There's a lot more about American history than we know than we knew then. I'm not saying that George Washington was a bad guy and that we should punish him somehow. But when you get right down to it, a, a holiday to honor the president of the United States, the first president of the United States, does seem a bit antiquated right now. I am all in favor of a holiday that honors the birth of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I'm all in favor of a federal holiday that honors and recognizes the day that Christ rose from the dead and conquered sin, death, and hell once and for all, for all of us. I believe in that Thanksgiving is a valuable holiday and a necessary holiday. And I know that for some people that rankles them because they remember what was happening in the U.S. at that time and it wasn't necessarily great for them. But I think now that holiday can carry more weight for the good because we honor and recognize that God is our provider, our creator, and he's the healer and he's the reconciler. And so um, what the line in uh, America the Beautiful, be America, America, God, mend thine every flaw. I mean, beautiful line, and that's our heart's cry. Labor Day was for organized labor. They were organizing. They wanted that day off. They negotiated it. I mean, if you, if you are part of a federal labor union, good for you. Memorial Day, you got to keep. Martin Luther King Day, you got to keep. But I could compellingly make the case. It's not something, this is not a hill you die on. It's not something where you say, well, if you don't get rid of President's Day, I'm not going to vote for you. Certainly not that way. But help us, help us as believers find new ways to introduce conversations that get people interested in 
what you think with regard to have a compelling reason if you think that we should celebrate washington's birthday have a compelling reason for doing so i think i have a compelling reason for not doing so or for not celebrating it and it speaks to the deeper issue it's not about do we get a three-day weekend it's not about are we disregarding the father of our country it has everything to do with acknowledging that not everybody looks at the foundation of the united states the same way and there isn't a quote-unquote right way to do so the only right way is to look at everyone's collective experience and say, how did this impact your family? What was it like when your crew showed up? You know, my family started making its way in from Mexico and Scotland or whatever in the 19th century, but other people have different experiences. How can we as Christians speak that kind of language of empathy, knowing that ultimately our time on earth is so short compared to our time in eternity, which is forever? And what's more important, fighting to preserve a federal holiday or reaching the lost with the good news of the gospel. That is good news, and that is the bottom line.